0: Hey, it's Chris Jones with The Jones Zone, and I want to thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. Hey, real quick, before we get started, I have a favor to ask. If you've listened to the podcast before, or if you enjoy the episode you're about to hear, please like the podcast on social media, and please leave a review. Having listeners like and review the podcast is the fastest way for it to grow and reach more people, and we really want to share our stories with the biggest audience possible. Thank you. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the Jones Own Real Estate Team. That's right. We sponsor our own podcast. So if you know of anyone looking to buy, sell, rent, or invest in residential real estate in the Charlotte, Fort Mill, Rock Hill area, have them connect with us on their favorite platform. Enjoy the show. It's Chris and Brian Jones, your real estate advocates, community connectors, talking Charlotte and York County area real estate, and interviewing business owners, entrepreneurs, and community leaders. Welcome to the Jones Zone Podcast.
1: Three, two, one.
0: Welcome to the Jones Zone Podcast. Today, I am joined by Joe Scarborough of Mr. 900 Electric. Mr. 900 Electric is a Charlotte-area electrical contracting company, so whether you're giving your home a makeover, addressing safety issues, building a new home, or working to make your home more energy efficient, Mr. 900 Electric offers residential, commercial services to help you. Joe has also spent time as an on-air personality and a professional bowler. Joe, I'm Scarborough, welcome to the Jones Zone, man. Good to have
1: you. Good to meet you. Thanks a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that was a quick, brief introduction of who you are and what you do. But if you don't mind, just take a few minutes and um, share some of your personal story and then some All of your right. professional background and then how you got into Mr. 900 Electric.
1: Oh, boy, that's an interesting story. But we can kind of work back from the very beginning. I'm a third-generation electrician from Asheville, North Carolina, originally. Uh, my grandfather started the Scarborough Electric Company in 1971 so uh my dad followed in those footsteps and he uh, was a contractor also so uh
0: Uh, general contractor electrical electrical.
1: we just did electrical only and uh i kind of rode around with my grandfather when i was a kid and you know and Watched them do electrical work and stuff like that. And I, was, I didn't want any part of it because they always shocked me on purpose, you know, just to, just to, <laughs> just to have something to laugh about during the day. <laughs> so uh, as I got a little older, uh, I decided, well, you know, be third generation. I might want to try some electrical work. So I kept working at it. And uh, uh, they taught me, you know, how to wire houses and how to do different things. And I uh, uh, just kind of worked with my father for a few years. and... Uh, uh, decided well I think I'm gonna be a journeyman electrician so uh, really started concentrating heavy on electrical in 84 85 area and I got my first license uh, in 1986 so I've been around a pretty good while
0: 30 something is that yeah what's the math on that yeah 30 years
1: yep uh, so I decided at that point I, I you know I was pretty young I wasn't sure if I wanted to do electric work because I uh, kind of messed around in radio. I uh, uh, had worked at a small radio station when I was out of high school. So I thought, well, you know, maybe i want to do some radio work. And I was a DJ in the clubs, worked at several clubs, DJing. And I said, eh, electrical work's not too exi- exciting at, you know, 23 and 24 years yeah. old. So uh, uh had a couple different jobs at some... Uh, <clears throat> different radio stations at the same time I was trying to juggle some electric work. And it just, I just didn't like it. I just didn't want to do that.
0: So, so are you saying like you would work for your, your family during the day?
1: And then yeah. And they get mad because I wouldn't show up for a couple of days. Yeah. Of day. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Joe? <laughs> uh, he's turn on the radio. He's probably on yeah, the radio. Yeah. So that's kind of how that happened. And, uh, uh, I had some, uh, job offers, some big radio stations. One of the biggest ones was uh, kiss FM in Asheville, North Carolina it was, uh, personality there. Then uh, WCKN, FM, and Anderson picked me up and, and moved me to Anderson, South Carolina, and I worked at Rock 101 for a couple years there. Then I had opportunity to go to WRFX, which is the Fox in Charlotte. So I went to that station for a brief period of time, and I did some uh, uh, an on-air show before John Boy and Billy came on, right when they first really started the John Boy and Billy show, which is the mid-'80s. Yeah. So uh, just wasn't working out too good in the radio, and just moving all over the place just really wasn't what I wanted to do. So I kind of went back to Asheville and uh, uh, just worked electrical you know, electrical business a little bit harder. So I kept working with my dad and working with my dad, and I didn't like working with him. I didn't want to work with my dad. <laughs> no, I've already been with him all these years. <laughs> so It was, to... was that hard to work with your dad. I mean, I'm... yeah, because when you're an electrician, every electrician does something a totally different way, and it was his way or no way and I wouldn't have any part of that. I wanted to do what I, I thought my way, and I still think today my way's better than his was.
0: <laughs> Just the uh, like the small details of how Just you do things? The,
1: the way you do things, and he did stuff really old school, and I was okay. more in the new technology and the new trying different things, so he didn't like that. He was strictly old school, and I didn't want to do that, so... He probably learned from his dad, I guess, right? Yeah, and they were really old school, so. <laughs> <laughs> he just slowly got older. So, you know, uh, just decided that uh, I kept on working in electrical and worked with my dad and kept doing that and kept doing uh, radio work, too, on the weekends back and forth. And uh, uh, then in 93, uh, I got my own, I got a contracting license. I had my first license in 86, but then you go up to a different level, which was the, State contracting license, and I got that in '93, and uh, uh, then several years later I got the master license. After that,
0: so what? What are the differences between the license? Well, you can
1: be a level one contractor, level two, level three, then you can get the bigger license, which is pretty much a master's classification.
0: So that's like you can be the boss now. You can open up your own shop. You can't or? even
1: in level one, three, oh, okay. threes, but the master means you've pretty much done all sides of the, uh, the trade, not yeah. just one resident, not just residential or commercial or industrial. I got an experience in all three. So I kind of master all three of them. Yeah, Not some good, and in, the in, industrial is a little bit harder, but I uh, just, you know, I didn't, uh, I liked the residential pretty good and doing the custom homes. So kind of stuck with that. So what
0: all did you do on the radio? You said you were a personality. I mean, is that just, yeah, I was a DJ.
1: Yeah. I worked, uh, I, uh, uh, Back then, when I first started in the 80s, you know, we played the records, the little 45s. We had two turntables going, and uh, then they kind of graduated from that and went into carts, which they had them on uh, four-track carts. It's the difference in the eight-track. It was a four-track. looks just like an eight-track, but they're four-track. So then they graduated from that into hard drives in the late 80s.
0: So they would just say, "Joe, that here's the ten songs you need to play," or like, "Well, oh, we'd have a list.
1: Work? Yeah, okay. We would have a list we could choose from. So we had two choices that we wanted to play. And uh, sometimes I would go do what I wanted to do and pick something else to play, and play it, and they get really mad about that. So <laughs> <laughs> like, we didn't say to play white. Snake. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> so uh, I was still doing the electric work, but you know, in the evenings I would do the radio and a lot on the weekends. Then had offers to be a DJ in the clubs, so I would go to the clubs at night. And uh, working clubs. So I was making really good money.
0: Did you ever do like weddings or anything like that? Yes, or?
1: I've done a lot of voiceovers. I did uh, 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 like some community colleges, they would have Christmas programs and uh, they want somebody to narrate the uh, uh, info about their college, and I would go in and do voiceovers for that and things like that. Did a lot of commercials. Lots <laughs> That's of stuff. Awesome. So everybody said, Well, we like your voice, so we want to start using it. But the reason it worked because I talk really country from the south. But when I do my radio stuff, I don't have the country twang. How
0: do you get? Let's hear the radio. How do you get rid of it?
1: Uh, it just uh, I just know, it's been a while. Though, no, I, I still practice a lot uh, just yeah. for fun. But you can do like uh, the current weather forecast today going to be seventy and sunny, going to be beautiful. Get out and enjoy the weather. You can't beat it. So uh <laughs> and yeah, that's awesome. And something like uh, well. Uh, welcome to Seventies at Night. We're taking nothing but Seventies requests all night long. Some you want to hear? Give us a call one eight hundred Seventies. Glad to have you long. So there was a little difference in my voice doing radio than normal talking because I didn't have that southern uh, drawl and that. So it kind of went away when I got into some of the radio.
0: Brian always teases me like, uh, I'll do like if we have like. If we're goofing around.
1: Uh-huh. I'll be like, "Hey, welcome!" You know,
0: like the goofy radio. Just uh, yeah, go back,
1: going back to the stack—a solidified whack, you <laughs> know—kind <laughs> <laughs> of stuff like that. Oh, you know, man. so uh, so I had the ability to make a living with my voice as well as physically, and uh, being a third-generation electrician, I could. Kind of juggle both, and I was making a lot of money back in the eighties. Yeah, because you had can, all kinds of girlfriends. And you I could mean, schedule anything. Yeah, and, it was fun. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, when you work for yourself like that, you can kind of make your own schedule. And-
1: so <laughs> the last time I was on the air was in uh, '93. I went back to Kiss and uh, was doing it part time, and it just, it just I didn't have time to do it, and trying to juggle, you know, electrical work, I just couldn't do it. So always something else I was looking to mess around in it was pro wrestling, and that kind of. That was my next thing.
0: <laughs> all right, how'd you get into pro wrestling? Well, a buddy
1: of mine, a friend of mine <clears throat> that I worked at the clubs with back in the 70s, He's a big old guy, he decided he wanted to be a wrestler. So he got into the wrestling. Now are you,
0: is this the Charlotte area? You're, you're, Asheville
1: area. Okay. Yeah, Asheville? Yeah. So he decided he wanted to be a professional wrestler. And uh, I really wasn't quite big. I'm pretty good size, but he's really big. So uh, he says, man, you know, I know you do all this. Come over and... Try some ring announcing. So I went over, and did some ring announcing, ring announcing, and uh, that's how the wrestling started. And uh, then I got to meet Ric Flair. All those people got to be friends with all the big guys and know who they are. And and then I started getting wrestling announcing gigs.
0: <laughs> now this, which which companies, like because back in the day it was territories and stuff like that. Yeah, right? WCW, it wasn't ECW, like WWE. My first
1: match ever announced was in Knoxville, Tennessee. In 1993, latter part of 93, maybe early 94, it was uh, Diamond Dallas Page. Oh, yeah. Vinny Vegas, who okay. was... Okay, uh, Razor
0: Ramon. Well, hey, no, no.
1: Vinnie Vegas, who was Kevin Nash. Oh, okay, right. Against uh, Shane Douglas and Marcus Alexander Bagwell.
0: Yeah, that That's guys. my first match. <laughs> That's a good one, So i am
1: standing in the center ring. 10,000 people there really didn't... I, I knew what to do, but when these guys jump in the ring and they're like 14 times bigger than you are, it's a little... Uh, overwhelming Nash uh, is a monster man he's got to be unbelievable unbelievable back then was his back then was his prime time he was huge so uh, and I got to meet all of them and they were pretty good people and uh, uh, then I decided uh, well let's just put our own little show together so at the same time I was wiring houses doing electric work all over the place then I built my own wrestling ring then so I, I made one of my Garage. Do you still have it? I sold it. Yeah, I sold it. And, <laughs> now, those
0: uh, things. People have a misconception about that's wood and canvas, right? There's oh yeah, not,
1: wood, steel, and canvas. There's nothing. Uh,
0: there's not a trampoline.
1: Uh, you have to learn how. You had to learn how to land and, yeah. and do all that Take stuff. Bumps. Yeah, and yeah. once you figured it out, but it's it's dangerous. So uh, we started picking up. We had a. It was called NCW, which was National Championship Wrestling. And at that time, back in this was later on '95, '96. We had all the big guys who are really big guys now who weren't big guys back then. And uh, people like Jeff and Matt Hardy, they wrestled yeah. for us. Uh, we had, uh, uh, his name was the Unabomber back then who was now Kane. Okay. He wrestled with us. We had, uh, my friend was Casey Thunder. Uh, he wrestled with us and all, a lot of all the big guys wrestled with us. And they didn't make much money. We only gave them twenty five dollars a night. Now yeah, they make just millions. just getting their start. Right? Yeah. Now they make millions. Yeah. So, so I remember telling Matt and Jeff Hardy, I said, "Listen, no, you guys are gonna be massive stars one day." And they said, oh, I quit saying that." I said, "No, you are. You're gonna be huge stars." Yeah. And I, look, look what happened.
0: I, when they came, I was at WrestleMania this year with my son. Oh yeah. When I they, see him. When they came back, that was awesome. Oh yeah, I know him and personally. Kane's C- gonna uh fight for the championship coming up.
1: Yeah, he's gonna be he's trying to run for mayor. I don't know if Oh he, really? Yeah, in uh, over in Tennessee. I did yeah. see
0: that actually, yeah.
1: And one I'll tell you one other in that uh match I announced was uh uh the Undertaker against Shawn Michaels. Oof. That was something. That was something I'll never forget. That was in Knoxville, Tennessee. And I'm sure
0: those guys must have headlined WrestleMania a time or two. Oh, I know I they was, did. Actually, yeah, I know they did. Well, I was
1: in the back waiting to to go out, you know, and here comes the Undertaker down this dark hall. This guy is massive. And he stood beside me, and I'm like, man, how can somebody be that big?
0: He was already in the WWE in the. 90's he was already there. in the WWE. Oh, okay. Yeah, they had a
1: special promotion then. Oh, okay. To where all the all the different promotions and <laughs> independents came together and did a one night show. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That's so, really uh, cool, man. So did a lot of
1: that, and at the same time, still doing the. Still doing. <laughs> and people had no clue when, you know, I would come to their house that I was on these TV shows doing the ring announcing. They like, I know you from somewhere. And it was always that, I know you from somewhere. I know, I know that somewhere. face. I know your voice too.
0: <laughs> so I, I'd swear you were on the radio if I didn't know you were an electrician. Like, so oh. I went
1: through that for a while, then uh, the electric work uh, started going stronger and stronger and stronger, so I kept having to go to that. And at the same time, I kind of, uh, my last, one of our last matches we did, I broke my ankle. So that was time I had to stop wrestling and concentrate on the electrical business because I lost lots of money. I was out of work six, seven, eight weeks yeah. with a broke ankle. How'd so, you break your ankle? Uh, we had a, a skit set up where they were going to, I was going to miscount the match, count it too slow instead of yeah. normal. And the guy was going to get mad. And he was going to throw me out of the ring and I get back in. And he hits me in the head with a can of beer and I go back <laughs> out. <laughs> was it Shane Douglas? <laughs> no, his name's uh, Rusty Riddle. He's oh, okay. on Facebook. You got to look him up. He's oh, responsible for him. my broke leg. <laughs> and he's, he's a NWA veteran from years ago. He uh, worked with, he traveled all the crockett promotions back in the day, and he's a good friend of mine. So Rusty Riddle is responsible for breaking my leg. Look him up on Facebook. Real nice dude. Out. Real nice dude. So he threw me out of the ring, and I just landed wrong and broke my ankle. Ugh. And that was it. I decided I, I just couldn't risk it hurt, you know, mm-hmm. messing around. And uh, so that's the end of the wrestling in 97.
0: How do you describe wrestling when people say it's fake? Do you, do you say it's scripted, or how
1: do you... Well, it's sports entertainment. Sports it's entertainment. entertainment. It's your, uh, but let me tell you what. You do not want to mess with any of these guys. Yeah. These guys are tough. Uh, people have a bad misconception that it's just all fake. But let me tell you what. You get hit by one of these guys, or, you know, uh, make them mad, you're going to find out how yeah. fake wrestling really is. Yeah. It's, so it's I was funny. always like, uh, uh, also another friend of mine on Facebook, Rick Savage. Okay. look him up he's uh, he had his own show he went from wrestling into his own uh, reality show on Spike which was American Diggers Spike TV oh okay he had a show on there was really good now he travels the country and opens up for uh, major rock bands so all these people were good friends of mine that uh, we all worked together very cool man. so you get to know you get to know different people and you get to know uh, uh, some are famous some are not so famous but uh, it's, it's a lot of fun so <clears throat> kind of backed away from wrestling in 97 and concentrated on the electrical. Electrical. At the same time, I was bowling. Now, remember, this yeah, is where all how'd this you was get going. into
0: bowling, man?
1: Well, my mom uh, and my, grand- my grandfather, the first-generation electrician, he always took me bowling. You like know, on weekends and stuff? Oh, uh, and league nights. And I was a little okay. kid. You know? They put me in the nursery, and I'd stay in there when I was a little kid. So bowling was always part of my blood since I was a child. So then I got a little older. I was bowling, and I started bowling leagues. And uh, I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a pro bowler one day. And I, I I told people that in the league, and they started laughing, just started laughing. Oh, you'll never be a pro bowler. You'll never be that good. Then that goes back to 2013. That all changed. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I bowl, and uh, uh, after wrestling was done, I, I picked up star bowling, you know, PBA professional tournaments. So I bowl a lot of tournaments through the 90s. And all the way up to two thousand and four, and I just decided to quit. I didn't want to bowl anymore. Dude, what
0: what what turned you off?
1: Uh, The competition was very very difficult, and I didn't practice enough. It was the problem was was trying to do electrical contracting, and be a top professional at the same time in bowling, which is impossible to do because you have to. And I just didn't feel like that. I didn't have enough time to uh, get to the level I needed to. So then I was just gonna do it for recreation purposes.
0: So, when you say that, like a 300, that's as good as it can get, right? Yeah, There's no, like, in terms of on paper, there isn't, you can't get any better than that. So, are you just talking about consistency at that point? Well,
1: on the pro tour, it's totally different. Like when you bowl in league, or when you go out for recreation bowling, because the conditions are easy, it's easier to score. When you get on a pro level, it's a whole nother story. uh you know we have oil and conditioners put on the lanes that dictate what we have that week and what we could if our scores going to be high or if our scores going to be low so there's a lot of things in bowling that you have to know and have to have experience at to be able to be real successful
0: oh, okay i didn't
1: so it's more than just throwing the ball there's I could go on for hours of what it takes to be a professional bowler Jeez, tough, man. tough 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 so you're bowling against people all over the world and you know you're a guy from Asheville, North Carolina, trying to uh, get to that rank, but you have a full-time job, you're electrical contractor. so most of the people that bowl, that's all they do. They just if that out. was all I did was bowl back in the 90s, I would be that good as well. Maybe. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so uh, I quit bowling in 04, just kind of got a little burnout on it, because I was doing so much work, it was really hard to juggle both, and I decided to move to Charlotte. So I moved to Charlotte in oh uh, four.
0: Yeah. So, how, what what made you choose electrical work over bowling? You you just you didn't quite just have st- that passion stability. for it. Okay. Just stability,
1: because I knew I could make a good living doing what I was doing. I'd already made quite a bit of money before, and I knew that I couldn't make that kind of money bowling okay. unless I give everything up and concentrate only on bowling. With there's no guarantee of money.
0: Yeah. That's so. I never really thought about how much would go into being a professional bowler. Oh my bowler. goodness. It's, the uh, skill, I guess, so you can't just pick someone that's constantly bowling really well in their league and throw them on the pro mm, tour? No.
1: Uh, a lot of people tried it, then they, just uh, reality hits what it really is. What do you have to do to b- become professional? Well, you have to average, uh, two, I don't know what the average limits are now, but you have to average, I think it may be 200 or 210 in league for a couple of years. Then you can join the PBA. All right. Then after you, if you cash two times in the PBA, you can't bowl again. To join and become a member, okay. so you have limits of what you have to do to get there. And if you do good for a couple of tournaments, you have to become a member. Oh, geez. So then you get into okay. Well, I'm a rookie. So now what? Then the reality hits how hard professional bowling really, really is. So are there
0: lots of professional bowlers, but we only see the top one percent on TV, or like how does?
1: Uh, what you, yeah, I'm, yeah. you only see probably, <clears throat> you know, you top five or so on TV, maybe more, depends on the format of that tournament, but uh, 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 when I quit bowling and came back in nine in years later. In 2013? Yeah. Two, well, eight years, i say, okay. two, lat, latter part of 2012, I started practicing again. I had a little interest because I was in Charlotte now, so it was a lot more bowling action in the Charlotte area than it was in Ashway area, because was a smaller town. I think Man, I may bowl some, but then the electric work was really heavy in Charlotte. So uh and I said, I'm getting a little older. I said, I could bowl, I'm gonna turn fifty in two thousand twelve, in October two thousand twelve. So I could bowl on a senior tour and I can bowl on the other tour at the same time. I've got both worlds to bowl in. So uh <clears throat> started practicing and I was bowling better than ever that I ever bowled before all the previous years.
0: <laughs> what clicked? What I had no
1: idea what no. happened, maybe just uh physical. Uh, I don't know what it was. Just started throwing the ball better. Everything was different. A little more mature, probably was part of it. And uh, not trying to juggle so much. Yeah. And uh, knew I only had certain times I could bowl. So I, I knew that I had these contracts or these jobs. So I knew that I could only go these certain times. So the pressure was kind of off. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. I knew that I only had certain time. I knew I, did, I didn't have to spend days and days practicing. So. uh Started back that uh, that year and <clears throat> first tournament out of cash down in Gastonia. And I'm like, okay, well.
0: You know, so what does it. that mean? Like top three, top five? Top 16. Top 16. Yeah, we usually have 100 cash. most okay. of the tournaments.
1: So I was in top 16, the very first tournament back. And I said, okay, I'll take that. Go to So I uh, go to one more tournament. I finished in the top 16 again. I said, I'm on to something. And people kept saying, well, you're, you're throwing the ball very well now. You're rolling very good. And I said, oh, you know, I didn't think much of it. So I go to another tournament, and pack up, we had a three tournament swing in Florida.
0: Okay.
1: First tournament in Newport Ritchie, Florida. Uh, I had to strike out the last game or so to make the cut. Top 32 out of 200. So the strikeout means you had to get a three. I had to get 200. three in a row in the last, Oh, okay. last frame of the last, last game okay. to make the cut and advance to the next day. 200 and, I think it was 140 I take it back at that tournament. So I got in that tournament, so that's three tournaments in a row that I'm cashing, I'm doing well, I'm like, never did that before so i got through that and i went to the villages in florida that was the next week this is a three tournament swing i go there and uh beautiful place if you ever been to villages unbelievable place so we had 160 entries full field and my first three games out of the tournament i go 300 300 300 Damn. yeah and, and everybody was like man what is going on here so, so that's the 900. That's, that's the 900. That's the Mr. 900. First one in professional bowling history to have three 300 games in a row. That's And, and you got to realize, too, the chances of that happening were very slim because we had 160 <laughs> people, and I was bowling on what they call the burn, which means the people, the other 80 people that bowled before us had fresh oil, which was a little easier. We had no oil as much because it evaporated. So the chances of scoring that on a, less favorable condition was pretty slim. Plus I had five people bowling with me and the lanes changed so much and things happening and 200 degrees in the building, there's a lot of things that could go wrong. So it just happened, worked out and I had 900. So all of a sudden, media shows up, news people show up and I didn't know that nobody knew or nobody thought much about it that nobody had ever done it in professional bowling before. So
0: they just they they just pull up the statistics oh, on the minute. internet and they're like nobody's
1: ever had a 900 a, a approved 900 in in professional bowling. So I go from being just a bowler to signing autographs, you know, and making public appearances and radio shows and all kinds of stuff. Man so that's uh, that's where Bowling went, and uh, I go the next tournament the next week I finished third. I go the next tournament, and I finish twenty third. I mean, just kept on going. I well, you
0: won the turn the you got the nine you won. The- no, I didn't win the tournament. No. You still lost. Uh, when did you finish?
1: Uh, I, actually, to be honest with you, I did not make the cut that tournament. Get out of here! Because what happened was when I shot, that was the first three games of the tournament. So with all the media and all the fan and all the stuff, the there's no way you can concentrate and, and go any further. Because I didn't know what was going on, didn't have experience, so you never had that kind of exposure, and didn't understand what stardom meant all of a sudden. So it's a lot on your shoulders. Yeah, it's a lot to take in. So I mean, you're going down the road. Your phone rings. All oh, this is so and so radio station. I was in USA Today. I was in on ESPN. It goes on and on. They wanted me to do a thing on Good Morning America. Come up Jeez. there. I mean, it just it never stopped. And the only reason that was a little more special is because of professional bowling. And it never happened. And PBA was founded in 1958.
0: But they don't wait until after the tournament to reach out to you? I mean, like, how long long is this
1: tournament? It was three days.
0: And they couldn't, they were on you that fast? Oh, that
1: fast. It was like, uh, I mean, it was, and, and, and you're trying to bowl and. And trying to concentrate, and all your friends coming down, and giving you high fives, you know all Damn, that. Dude, I and, just
0: heard you got a nine hundred. You know,
1: and, and there was I've got a, some videos. There was about probably eight hundred people watching at one time. So, and just all those people coming, hey, hey, hey and it was uh, it was a lot to take in. Yeah.
0: I saw the video. You kind of fall to your knees at the end. It's that was like, all the pressure.
1: Just was that
0: just like?
1: Well, actually, I had that was thirty six in a row, and I had four more. So I got the forty one in a row. And That's the third, right, because it's
0: game. not ten frames. If you got a, if, yeah. if on the last one you go three. So i was so
1: glad when I didn't strike. <laughs> <You're>
0: like, <laughs> I, was, so, I was
1: glad it was over. So
0: how many total was strikes was it in a row? Forty one. Forty
1: one straight yeah. strikes. Forty one. So it was. Uh, it was just one of those things, and uh, it will probably never happen again. And now, in regular bowling and league bowling, it's happened thirty one times. I was the twenty third time in league bowling that's okay. happened that's just staying on the same pair of lanes in league conditions totally different PBA it's a whole other world so in the history of bowling there's only been I think 31 or thirty twos ever done it and I'm the only one in pro bowling it's to this day still yeah nobody will ever do it
0: jeez
1: actually I'm working on a promotion right now we're, we're trying to get together on if it's going to happen I'm going to offer one million dollars to the first person in PBA that can bowl another 900
0: now why would you do that?
1: Uh, just to promote, help a little bit of bowling, promote okay. it some more, and uh, just to give the guys a little more incentive. They have to pay a fee when they bowl the tournament. They can pick which games, and if they do it, they get a million dollars. <laughs> so we're working on that. I don't know if it's going to happen, but we're, we're trying. Fancy. So I'm kind. Of, what I really want to do is I want to kind of be like the king and give up that throne to somebody yeah. else. That's, it's just a promotion, and work it with the 900 Electric and – it's a combination of bowling and electrical all built in one so i promote the electrical business and promote myself a little bit yeah
0: yeah what an interesting mesh of
1: lots of mesh
0: there <laughs> <laughs> a life story man so an electrician uh, turned radio host turned pro wrestling announcer bowling the whole time it's
1: and people, you know, when I tell, when I talk to people, I said, yeah, I did this. I said, what do you mean you used to do this? And, yeah, I was, I did this. And, you know, just talking. And uh, I, you had a friend of mine I do some work for, Turner Contracting. He was on your podcast. Yeah, yeah. He didn't even know all this story. I was telling him the other day just on the phone we were talking. I didn't know you did that. You know, he was laughing. And I said, that's so cool, you know. And uh, uh, so a lot of people don't know. and uh, It's fun to tell them because I've really enjoyed the stuff I've done. I've been pretty fortunate to get to do. Uh, all kinds of stuff. And uh, so, right after I shot the 900 series, I finally got out of town in Florida. I finally got out of there. I was ready to go home. So, I bought an RV. I was dragging a trailer, uh, a camper with me everywhere I went because just the way we traveled. And uh, uh, <clears throat> go to Mooresville, the tournament after that, or two tournaments after that. We go to Mooresville, North Carolina, G- George Baptist, Victory Lanes. Power goes out right in the middle of qualifying. So, I said, okay, well, I have my tools out there. I said, let's see what's going on. Called the power company, nothing in the area. It was uh, strictly at the building that there was a problem. So long story short, air conditioning was causing the power to go out. We fixed it, and uh, Mr. 300, his name's Bob Learn, he was bowling on my pair. So he'd had the first seven strikes, power goes out. Kind of like, uh, I don't know if you ever saw uh, the Andy Griffith show where uh, – Uh, Howard had the 300. Did you ever see that? (laughs) No. Well, you have to watch it because the power went out on. But I was
0: watching the Super Bowl when the power went out. Then same thing.
1: Yeah. uh, Two hours later, we got the power back up. I put my shoes back on, continue bowling. So Bob Lern strikes out, and he has the longest 300 in PBA history, like three
0: hours, three hours to bowl one game. That's hilarious.
1: So uh, then uh, some of the we have a. production company called Extra Frame that works with PBA and they do live video and talk to people and interview people and they said well you know uh," they call me Mr. 900 Mr. 900 and I said well he just should be just Mr. 900 Electric so that's how Mr. 900 Electric came about so I got thinking well let's just let's just combine electric work and bowling in one so all my vehicles say Mr. 900 Electric and it has my bowling sponsor on it it's got bowling balls I use and it's got uh, electric work on it so that's how Mr. 900 Electric came about. We still you, did electric work. Yeah. And we just kind of combined Bowling. What were you before? Service Max Electric. Service Max yeah, Electric. Yeah, just plain old Joe, Service Max Electric. <laughs>
0: Man, so how, do you feel like that's helped your electrical business? I mean, yeah, because,
1: uh, and what would happen, people would always stop and say, well, What is this? What's the deal? What's, what's this mean? And uh, then when I did do, when I had some advertising, uh, people would say, they'd look at my website and they'd feel more comfortable with me than hiring somebody else. Cause you know how it is today. You never know who you're going to yeah. hire. So then I started talking to this person, this person started getting more and more business. Then I had so much business I couldn't do it. Then I started, uh, I quit doing some of the smaller jobs and really concentrate on new construction. Then, uh, when I, uh, at first, I started giving everybody... If I did a new house, that had a signed bowling pin. They get to put it in their fireplace after it's over. <laughs> so they the like that pretty good. Yeah, yeah
0: they're like, wait, we got to put this front and center on the fireplace? Yep, yep, yep. So
1: in the electrical industry, you meet people, say, oh, he does this, he does that. And that's how I met Sean Turner through another company. Because they hired me, and Sean was working through them. And it's just a network of people. Yeah. And some you make happy, and some you don't. That's yeah, the, that's every that's, business. That's, that's people... People uh, don't like saying that, but that's just the way it is. It's the truth. It's It's the truth. And
0: it it doesn't even have to be anything that you necessarily did wrong, or it's just... It's just the construction industry.
1: And uh, I am working on uh, another thing I'm in now, not wrestling, not bowling, not uh, anything like that entertainment-wise. I'm working on new legislation. I'm trying to get something passed. Uh, I'm trying to get enough signatures to be able to get the next phase started. But I want to be able to stop the, uh, uh, the problems that general contractors have not paying subs and people that don't get paid for their work. It's a major problem. Yeah, it's a major I can problem. imagine. So what I'm trying to pass is if you are building a house and a bank is financing your house, the builder has to take, it has to be a law, he has to take the plumbers, the electricians, whoever has a contract on that job, that money has to be kept in escrow and the only way the builder, the builder cannot touch it, or whoever's controlling the money, they cannot touch it, till you have a lien waiver and a final inspection. Mm-hmm. That guarantees all our subs are getting paid, and that's going to keep our prices down throughout the construction industry. So I'm, I'm working on this. It's going to take years. I already know that. It's it's already taking a lot of time. Mm-hmm. So and this is to protect and make the construction industry better because if people are getting paid, and people have money in their pockets, you're going to get better prices and you're going to get better service. That's just what I think is going to hopefully happen. Mm -hmm. But the problem is the resistance from the bank is, is we don't want to be a finance company. So we're trying to work through not saying you're a finance company, just hold these subcontractors' money. When their job is done and their contract obligations are met, then you can sign that release and get their money.
0: I mean, somebody's holding the earnest check money and all that stuff. Yeah, right?
1: So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to keep. Now there is many, many, multiple, multiple legit contractors out there. This is for the contractors that are not legit, and there's lots of them. Yeah. You have to be in the trade to understand it.
0: Uh, yeah. Well, we deal with a lot of so them too.
1: So we're we're trying to do something about it because I've been burned on several jobs over the years, and it's a, and it's it's a bad thing, but. Uh, I like electrical work. I've been doing it since I was 14 years old.
0: Mm. Yeah, we had a guy come on our podcast. He he does uh, wholesaling and flipping and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about how he got burned. He lost like 90 grand. Oh yeah,
1: it's it's easy. And if, if this legislation, if I could get this passed and get our congressman to look at this seriously, then these things will be a thing of the past. We don't have to worry about this anymore. And it should have been done years and years and years ago, because when you have a contractor that's not legitimate, and he gets a draw from the bank, say he gets a hundred thousand dollars and he has to pay fifty of that out, and he doesn't pay his subs and he goes and buys a brand new truck and rides around yeah, that's what you have mm. so that's what we're trying to avoid. we're just trying to to help people in industry and make it a better place if possible, yeah, if not, I'll continue iron houses, <laughs> but the people I work for, I don't have too much trouble i mean you know like i say there's always uh there's always a <clears> snag somewhere and uh uh, like I say, I'm a master electrician.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about that, Mister Nine, Mister Nine Hundred Electric. What What all do you guys do, and what areas do you serve in terms of
1: geographic? I work about. I work. I live in Mountain Island, Mountain Island Lake, which is up on four eighty five, and uh, uh, I service mostly in the Charlotte area. You know, Rock Hill. I don't go too much past Rock Hill because there's so much business. You don't need to. Yeah. So uh, I do custom homes, renovations. We do a lot of renovations. Uh, like I say, new construction. Some of the houses uh, we completely gut start over service upgrades uh man, you name it
0: it's hard to believe it's it's weird when you think about it that just one person sets up the electrical in a house. It's like you yeah, just, we can take all these wires and run them throughout the house well, we can it.
1: do we do small houses we do well, some houses are a thousand square foot, and I yeah. just finished one for uh uh uh. A guy in Charlotte, fourteen thousand square foot. So we got some big, yeah, some big ones and some little ones, and a fourteen thousand square foot took us about eight weeks to get right. You know, on the first initial stage, and we can do some of the smaller ones in three, four, or five days.
0: At what stage of the construction process does does the electrician come in? We come
1: in on the rough stage when the uh, plumbing and heating. People are there. We do that. Then after all the sheetrock is done, we come back to our, after all the painting, and we do our uh, final fixtures and plugs and switches, all that stuff.
0: How do you guys handle rain? Like, if, if you just have to work around
1: it, and the weather is real important to us. So you know, the cold and the heat. We really, really, really struggled this year in the heat. I mean, the heat was brutal. Uh, imagine working these houses, no insulation and just a roof, and you know, and it's 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 rough. Yeah, <laughs> rough. I mean, rough. You have no idea how hot it
0: gets. <laughs> you like, don't believe me. You don't I mean, know. <laughs> People don't know. I can't stress this enough. You do not
1: know what it's like. You know, it's very dangerous working in these conditions sometimes because the heat gets you before you know it. So I would rather be ice cold. It feels a lot better to warm up, and it takes a lot longer to cool down, though. So I can – it's 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 brutal. But. Well,
0: then, like, at what point can you – like, when it's raining and it's hot and it's all, all those conditions – at what point can you test the, I'm, I'm revealing my complete ignorance on this, by the way, I realize that, but do you, how do you test along the way? I mean, can you cut the power on?
1: Well, you just have to understand what you're doing, and have okay. to understand what situation you don't need to be in. Because you don't
0: want to think you're done, and then they go to flip the switch and nothing happens, you're like, yeah, are yeah, to I screw
1: mean, up. Uh, it's, it's just experience. Yeah. I mean, with 30-some years' of experience like I have, I already know I can go in and troubleshoot and have it fixed pretty quickly, and... Uh, you just understanding what you're doing and following the code, and uh, to me, it's easy. To the electrical work, to me, is like going to play baseball or going bowling. There's no effort to it.
0: Yeah, it's just memory, just, and skill. Just no
1: effort for me. I mean, it, physically it is, but mentally it's not. And you know, I'm getting a little older now, and it's like, oh, my knees starting to hurt. You know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and all that's some wrestling and bowling combination. <laughs> so it's uh, uh, just uh, the and here's a funny here's a funny statistic for North Carolina. There's twelve thousand five hundred electrical contractors in the state. Okay? This shows you how the the uh, uh, I'm trying to say how things are changing with the younger people. Guess how many is over under thirty? Uh out of the Guess twelve thousand? Under under thirty that are licensed to do electrical work in North Carolina. One
0: thousand. 100. 100?
1: Well, only 100 people are under 30 that have a license. Jeez. So what that's telling me is that they didn't study, not that they didn't study, they don't have the interest in it kind of like I did at early age or, you know, grew up in the electrical industry. So everybody wants to start at the top. They never want to start at the bottom. So that's why you see less people in the younger ages have an electrical contractor license. Is
0: that the case? In, uh, that's got to be the case in most trades, right? Plumbing? I don't know.
1: I think electrical probably more because electrical is most important and most detailed of any of the trades. If you're growing up now and you want to have a decent life, you can be an electrician. Yeah,
0: I think so too. I, I don't think... want to be
1: no plumber. I don't want to be any plumber. I don't want to do no plumbing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> have you ever been, what's the worst you've been shocked?
1: Uh, pretty bad, yeah. I've been shocked pretty bad you couldn't let go of it. Yeah. As, uh, at
0: what point are you, is it,
1: what's the difference between shocked and electrocuted? Uh, Well, electrocuted is dead. Okay. <laughs> that's so what that's what the I, difference? That's what I think. Electrocuted is dead. But uh, to me, it doesn't hurt as much as it uh, just takes control of you. I've got shocked so many times, I don't think much about it. But you get in the wrong situation, you're not going to survive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't take much. We had, there's a guy that uh, we didn't, but another company, a guy was working at the mall. And, uh, there was a wire hanging out of the ceiling. It was hot and he grabbed hold of a steel beam, grabbed hold of wire, uh, and killed him. Damn. It's just a path. If you get that path, that, if that path goes through your body at the wrong time or the wrong way, you, you don't survive.
0: You know what surprised me was the amount of, um, deaths caused by a dishwasher.
1: I, I don't know. I just, there's no tell. <laughs> no, I had, I had a in home them.
0: inspector. <laughs> yeah, a home but, inspector tell me, uh, we were going through a, a final walkthrough, and he was he was dead serious talking to to my buyer about it. He was like, you know, don't don't do this if you're in the dishwasher. He's like, you wouldn't believe it's like the number one killer of like It It's probably has something to do with grounding. Yeah, you just know, like, to, get zapped.
1: Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff, and people don't realize how dangerous electric work really is, or how if it's not done properly in your house, it is bad news for you. Mm-hmm. Bad news. So you guys still- not not necessarily you getting shocked. But having the right uh, overcurrent protection, the right uh, things mm-hmm. that keep your house from shorting out on its own. Yeah, gee whiz. A lot to it.
0: All right, man, we covered
1: a ton, dude. So well. Uh, <laughs>
0: what a great story. All right, so new construction, general contracting, what else can people call you guys for?
1: Uh, we do strictly electrical, like I say, but we do uh, panel service upgrades. If you've got old fuse box, we'll change those out. We do new construction. We like to do a lot of new construction. And if you're adding addition on your house, all those kind of things. Or you just want to upgrade some receptacles and get your house up to a little bit better code and a little safer. And I do inspections too. I'll come out and say, hey, this needs to be fixed or you got a problem here. Okay. So uh, always trust people to have a lot of experience. And uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's the way we look at it.
0: How can people get in touch with you?
1: Uh, Mr900electric.com. as the best place to go on our website. You can start right there. And if you want to bowl, i get bowling lessons. No way. All right. Oh, yeah, i get bowling lessons. i get free bowling lessons.
0: Good.
1: And uh, uh, if you need uh, something taken care of, my wrestling friends will do that for you. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. I'm <man. laughs> just kidding on that. Hey, we heard you've
0: been bullying Tommy. <laughs> yeah.
1: What? Uh, yeah, we're going to send Ric Flair out to your house uh, uh, later on this evening. But, uh, Woo,
0: nature boy. Uh, His daughter, man, she's crushing yeah, it, uh, too. I met
1: him, uh, met him several occasions. Yeah, and, cool. uh uh, actually, Reed, his son who passed away, yeah, yeah. worked for us when we, oh, your no kid, yeah, worked for us for a couple shows, yeah, yeah, very cool, really quiet guy, didn't have a lot to say, but real nice guy, so uh, I kind of know all those people,
0: awesome, awesome, all right, well, Joe Scarborough, Mr. 900 Electric, thank you for coming on the you guys appreciate podcast, it, okay, man. thank you thanks so much for listening to the Jones zone podcast with Chris and Brian Jones. We'll catch you on the next episode.